asking what this cage of tin foil and <laughs> metal is all about that's around me. It's a Faraday cage. A Faraday cage is a cage which emits no signal and no signal can enter. And you can see here it's all around, including the floor, all metal, and the ceiling. Why am I doing this? Why am I going to this trouble? Oh, in addition to the Faraday cage, we have an eight-channel scrambler, which you can see here, I hope, which prevents any signal from getting into this room or leaving this room, just in case the Faraday cage fails. Why am I doing this? Because I am an escaped slave a slave to the system that escaped, and I have a loud voice. You think you're not slaves, but you are. The nine-to-five existence of your current lives is structured by the American industrial corporate complex, complicit with our government. You need to free yourselves from this, not as me, you don't have to go out and and risk yourself by speaking out loudly, but free yourselves. This is not what life is. This is not what life is. Life is a great mystery, a glorious, unbelievably mysterious, beautiful existence if you are free from those who control you provide you with propaganda, lie to you, deceive you. Everyone is looking for this escaped slave. I will not be found, and I will continue to speak. Thank you for listening. Thanking you for listening, and fresh off the heels of a No Agenda meetup yesterday in Knoxville, this is Abzin Sixpack 165, and this is a new live son of a bitch. This is a new live son of a bitch. Joined here by Sir A1 Sauce, a.k.a. at Zoom, Z-O-N, on the No Agenda socials. Thank you. I, uh, I'm just kind of dusting off some of the, uh, the bread on my shoulder because of... Uh, this huge steak dinner I get to have by sitting down with abs and a six-pack, Sir C. Sitter. It's just, like, incredible how generous you are. I really, really appreciate being here today. Thanks for coming on, man. It's going to be fun. Um, but, yeah, uh, did a little, little, me, little, um, it was not, uh, a little short notice, but we had a good, good meetup. No Beret was there, uh, organized it at, uh, and Billy Bones showed up and Phone Boy, Noah was there. Um, the on again, off again co-host of this show, um, a dude named Jeremy showed up. We had a good, good time. Played some pool, drank some beer. Dude, that sounds like a good time. I haven't, haven't been to a meetup in a while, but, uh, uh, I, I got to see, uh, or meet, uh, phone boy, uh, at the May meetup, the love Palooza thing, uh, in South Carolina and uh, Dame Jennifer threw, uh, um, is that the one Adam was at? Yeah. Yeah, nice. that was cool. And I got to meet Mr. The God, the Podfather himself. I got to meet nice. him too. So 
it was awesome. It was uh, definitely worth traveling out to get to, to meet. Like the first meetup ever to go to, to go to a big splash like that, that was fun. Yeah, the Nashville meetup was uh, was great, uh, even though the, the Podfather couldn't make it. I think that was his make good meetup, the one you went to. Uh, he had COVID, well, so he, he had to bail. Yeah, but it looks like you guys had like an amazing assembly because there's like it's a lot of, you know, well, like, I mean, I'm very familiar with a lot of these names that all showed up there. So it's like, it's really cool to see, like, it was like, for real, it was like a, an awesome meetup looks like it was a lot of fun. So yeah, and then we went back to the Airbnb and did a big, uh, a big round table live behind the schemes. That was fun. Oh, that's cool. And then Spencer and Lorian, uh, that night did bowl after bowl live from Nashville the next day after we headed out. So it was pretty, it was pretty oh, cool. Okay. Lots of, lots of great, um, were they there? Because I know they travel sometimes. Yeah, yeah, they were there. Um, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, Spencer's a lot better at roller skating than me, but he convinced me to get on some skates, and I just I couldn't even get out to the rink without falling on my face. I was like, this is going to be horrible, so I didn't do it. And I totally Instead, I just got fucked up and, and talked to people. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I totally do that at the roller skating. I know they, they, they had another one a while back. It was the same kind of thing, you know, earlier this year, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the roller skating stuff. And that's, uh, uh, yeah, it looked, it looked like it would be fun, too. A lot of fun. Uh, these meetups are impressive, so. Great. Okay, I'm high. Yeah, you know, I was, got to meet NetNet over there. Yeah, the bowlers, mm-hmm. the lavish blueberry and Dame Jennifer and... Sir Patrick Coble was there. He's at like every meetup. I'm surprised he wasn't at the one we did yesterday. Honestly, he just shows up everywhere. Um, ah, but yeah, that was good, good, good time. Right it was good to good stuff. meet uh, Billy Bones and Phone Boy yesterday for the first time. Yeah. It was fun. But yeah, man. Um, shoot. So uh, what, 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 is, what is there to talk about? I haven't um, been following the news. I've been busy. I don't know what's going on. The only thing I'm really tracking right now is if Sam Hyde's going to fight Hassan Piker, but I think Hassan's bitching out. I am very, very far removed from like any mainstream news. I get basically exposure from just no agenda itself. And then like, uh, maybe, maybe a couple other podcasts I listen to. So, uh, I like, uh, I don't know. There's a few. There's not a lot of others. I really don't listen to a lot of podcasts these days. So, uh, there's one. Uh, there's one as I listen to is, um, and so he does like he does coverage of like mainstream news stuff like that too. And so you kind of get a little bit here and there. But I mean, nothing other than watching what appears to be like just crazy enter uh, country, enter you know on a global scale machinations of people just kind of like tapping their fingers together like (laughs) you know it's like yeah (laughs) but it's like that's way off but then like you know when you're doing your day-to-day business it's like this things look all right i don't know (laughs) yeah i mean hey gas is back down to under four dollars a gallon so there's that Um, Mm -hmm. as someone who drives for half my job is driving um that helps even though it's um i mean Usually I could guess with a company card anyway, so it didn't really affect me that much. But <laughs> if the boss said, if the boss is spending more on gas, that's less likelihood that I'm going to get more raises is the way I look at it. So, Yeah, because, I mean, he's like, well, I'm paying. The gas went up. Right. I'm paying you gas. <laughs> I gave you a raise. <laughs> so, 
know? yeah. <laughs> or I could just shuttle the bill to you and then you pay for it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it, yeah, seeing it, like I knew it was like, well, it was lower before this. This is not like it's as good as it could get. So I was thinking that, but, uh, yeah, this, it's, uh, I don't drive too much either for my job, but uh, still, it's it's like it's still really expensive. You know, just doing anything this past summer was just to drive around was expensive. I mean, to to so to get away. So, so I was listening to that. You know, that maybe the other news that was kind of that's actually relative and contemporary is just like like getting your streaming wallet set up because that, that John McAfee guy, the, the intro bumper. Mm-hmm. It seems like he knows what's going on. So, <laughs> you think he actually faked his death, like his ex-wife is saying? He's still out you know, there somewhere, like Tupac wait. or Elvis. I mean, I have no like leg to stand on in either way. But uh, I, the way things are these days, it seems like as like it wouldn't surprise me. So, <laughs> I mean, oh, he's not that. I mean, it's like our world and our times right now are very they're very unusual right now everything's in constant flux up is down down is up and it's like what's going on very topsy-turvy <laughs> and wonky yeah 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 oh i got a i got an anecdote um that i just remembered so i saw something on twitter and it, i won't play the video because it's really more visual but this mm-hmm. is some tiktok conspiracy guys like it's like uh, watching all these Pixar movies and he sees the A113 and like Toy Story on the on a driver's license and in Wally and in Bugs Life and mm-hmm. all these uh animated movies all have this this A113 hidden throughout the uh thing so um I uh somebody in the replies says make sure it, everybody make sure you don't google A113 compound and of course, I Google that, and the first, uh-huh. the third result on Google is the Wikipedia page for Adrenochrome. Wow! And so Hello. I just, yeah. So That's I screen, back. I screen, I screenshot that. <laughs> I screenshot that wow. with like the link to the tweet and put it on No Agenda Social. And all I add to it is, other than my screenshot and the tweet, is just a bunch of eyeball emojis. Um, yeah. You know, like, look, what was this? And then, uh, uh-huh. of course, Will Magos, who loves to do this, um, came. It's like, what is the, what's the connection between A113 to Adrenochrome? How's that connect? And I said, I don't know. I Googled it, and Adrenochrome came up. I don't make the rules. And that, of course, yeah, yeah. turned into this whole thing. And Sir Matthew, Sir Matthew, uh, Sir Matthew the Mapper, um, the French-Canadian bastard. I love him. Um, pretty much thoroughly debunked everything because they they came out they came back with oh, well there's a name there's the uh, the name of the room where they do like the studio at Pixar is room A113 I'm like well maybe they named that room after their adrenochrome code thing hmm. but um no I think they're right I think there's nothing there because I've spent about half an hour looking around and there's just like crazy people on BitChute making connections to it and that's about it they've all they've got is like some kind of geomet geometria numerology that somehow a113 stands for adrenochrome but i don't really understand mm-hmm. it so it's probably a as um as uh, van jones said a big nothing burger but 
Could be a big nothing burger. It could be the 113th version iteration of Adrenochrome. That's the sweet spot, kind of like WD-40 exists apparently. So, tell you what, you, know, you the, put some WD-40 on there. Put some Adrenochrome <laughs> on there. I tell you what, <laughs> right. taste the meat, not the heat. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, it probably does some. Um, I bet Adrenochrome makes pretty good steak sauce. Oh, I bet you, I bet you it's, it's pretty good. I bet it's pretty good. It could, I mean, you know, you'd have to take the Pepsi Coke A1 Adrenochrome Steak Sauce Challenge to really put it to the test. So, uh, I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I bet it, it probably does make a rather expensive bottle of something to pass between limousines. So, when you're at the stoplight to work and you're, <laughs> you know, and you're, some tuxedo and your top yeah. hat and whatnot. So, yeah, twirling mustache. Um, <laughs> right. Here's my uh, monocle on. Yeah, here's the uh, okay. So, here's the two I got from Magos. Misinf about regarding the um, the dream crumb thing. Misinformation is all just entertainment to you. If it's from the M5M, you can use it to get people angry, but if it's from somewhere else, including yourself, it's just fun. You don't really want to know if it's true or not which argues that you don't really care whether M5M misinformation is false or not. It's just content. It's not no agenda. It's nihilist agenda. A network of content creators who don't really care about anything. Damn. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, very, uh, that's a very... <laughs> I just replied with a smirking piece. face. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's kind of right. It's like, I really like don't give that much of a fuck. It's just kind of yeah. interesting. but Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah. No, I, Will's great, but he's also, like, very serious. He's a somber, serious guy. You know? Yeah. Uh, there was another... Um, I just saw a clip earlier today of a a doctor, and she had her mask on, and she had... No, she had the, the headphones on, which would cover the ears, or I, I don't know if... that I didn't pay too close attention to see if it was literal like headphones like or she was wearing something like uh like sound protection type things to cover the ear orifice itself but you know he's like uh she was saying that you know people going back to normal is a extreme right-wing talking point like to go back to normal which would be without <laughs> masks and stuff like that and like gloves and eyewear and ear muffs and you know it's like yeah. it's like <laughs> she's like we're not you know, it's not normal to catch COVID and be really sick and do, 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 do. So, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, um, a very extreme example of like how far do you want to, to look at something where it's just people are all concerned about nothing. <laughs> I have a, uh, let me see if I can find it. I might have a, I might have a chunk younger clip left over. Um, oh my God. Yeah. I think this is it. Yeah, this is crazy. This is this is a chunk when he went like, went after Rogan and said he would beat Rogan's ass in a fight on Twitter and all that. Uh, this is. Oh, I got freedom, man! I take my contagious disease and I spread it all over you. That's called freedom. Is that what? You, is that kind of what you were getting at? <laughs> it's extreme, <laughs> like, uh, like not wanting like lockdowns and mandates is extremism. Apparently, exactly. She said, you know, and and. Utilizing targeted uh, isolation and lockdown procedures when in order to to contain a surge, uh, it's like it's like these are 
normal and should be necessary, you know, these should be normal and necessary tools we can utilize now in order to prevent people from getting sick. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, ex- yeah. It, it, wanting, wanting just like to live your life in peace is extremism. Yeah. I, I think it was, exactly. um, it might've been Dave Smith. I saw say this the other day. It was like, uh, I'm going to butcher what he said, but it was something like, when did just wanting to be left alone become a violent extremist ideology? <laughs> right. A right, a right extremist violent ideology where you just literally just want to sit down like in a Buddhistic fashion and just <laughs> have some calm for a moment. And they're like, you're extreme. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, I'm not bothering anybody. What are you doing? (laughs) They they laid the groundwork for that a long time ago when the "Don't tread on me" flag was like some kind of extreme statement. I'm sure, I'm sure that I trigger a lot of people that are extremely sensitive because my my uh, I have custom plates in Missouri, and they're "Don't tread on me" plates. They're yellow and they got the gas and snake on there, and it's (laughs) like (laughs) you know, I'm sure like like people see them, you're like, oh my god. I like the one that's like the timid looking snake on the yellow flag and just says, please no steppy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't step on snake. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is a real gym right here. This, uh, young Turks clip. Oh, I got freedom, man. I take my contagious disease and I spread it all over you. That's called freedom. No, it's not. It's called you're an idiot and you're dangerous. And here comes Trump saying, well, it's, it's just the fact that everybody's getting coronavirus. It's hurting the economy, which then hurts my chance of getting reelected and which hurts my ego. It hurts my ego. So then a bunch of goons like Joe Rogan and others came in and said, we can, oh, Trump, 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 Trump. Whatever Trump says, we'll modify everything around that and we'll redraw the line. And now all of a sudden there's vaccines that we took all this time. This one is, oh, this one's so different. The FDA didn't approve it. Now it did. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to move the line again. I'm going to move the line again. Trump, 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 right wing conspiracy theories, etc. So now they say, I want to move the line. And my new freedom is to not get vaccinated from all the things I used to get vaccinated from. No, that is not fair to the rest of us. We can't give you diseases and you can't give us diseases. You can't punch us. We can't punch you. Otherwise, we're going to have a complete breakdown here. Even with the federal government, you state that you have a religious exemption. It's absurd. You shouldn't have that exemption. I mean, I. You, you guys tell us, okay, what else can you do to us and call it your freedom? Because remember, whatever's convenient. What it, no, no, I know. But whatever is convenient for you guys is also convenient for us. Whatever you say that you can do to us, I'm going to come and do to you, okay? And then go, hey, well, hey, hey, it's just me exercising my freedom. They say, how dare you? Because the right wing are a bunch of fragile little boys. And they're like, I get to do whatever I want to you. But if you do it back to me, <gasps> how could you do that to me? I'm entitled. I'm entitled to everything. I'm entitled to the top uh, contract in media and then say that I'm being canceled because you criticized me. You don't look canceled, Joe. You look entirely uncanceled. But yet you're constantly having your feelings hurt when someone critiques you. Okay, gr- look. And besides which, you're like at this point, he's a joke. He's a total right winger. He never has any real left wingers on. He's constantly bringing on fake left wingers like Jimmy Dore and Dave. Oh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, right wing's awesome. Trump's awesome. Conspiracy theories are awesome. And you know what I mean? And Joe, by the way, you want to be a man? You know, you're like, MMA. I don't like trans people because I'm so manly. Okay, Joe, be a goddamn man. Thanks for watching The Young Turks. Really appreciate it. That was something, dude. That's even better than I remembered.
Guess not, huh? I'm sorry. Uh, that, no, I, well, I did it to my, I did it to myself now. Just oh. a second. Ago. So I, uh, I was just going to say that the, that closer there, the end of the bumper was stellar. I mean, it's really, I, I, what I was saying was that he, uh, I like his argument point is based on the, the imagined scenario that all of the, the, the shots and all of this isolationism and all of this, um, lockdowns and the masking like there's like um decades of science to back all this stuff and the mrna shots and and uh you know there's there's all like there's decades of safety data right Right. as opposed to what the reality is is that they're going to they were trying to delay the release of all the data or the the data itself 75 75 years years from now you know it's like the everyone's dead did that yeah (laughs) is that one guy still alive damn it Gotta do another delay, sir. Sorry, yeah, Mr. President. Back. Yeah, another four years. So, uh, it, 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 it's just that, that, uh, I don't know, man. That guy was really off his hinges. The Young Turks is wild, dude. You ever, ever get a chance to sit down and watch them? Because it's like, well, I don't know. He's, he started like, Ch- Chunk started out like challenging the big banks when he was on MSNBC and then he started his own thing. They're Young Turks, mm. and, um, you know, they were kind of like, they were, you know, mostly Bernie bros, but now they just are completely like corporatist. They got started getting Soros money funneled to them. It's kind of crazy what happened, uh, uh, what happened to that outfit. I mean, it was always, I never liked it, but now it's just, it's, it makes MSNBC look like a moderate, you know, reasonable news organization. Um, yeah. It's pretty wild. Pretty crazy, man. Why it's like, are you, you know, yelling? You can, Exactly. And and I was just going to visually equate it to like that one commercial you'd see in magazines of the guy in the leather chair with the glasses on uh, facing to like the left of the page and his hair's getting blown back and it's Maxell. You know, it's like <laughs> high quality loudness, high fidelity, you know, and it's like literally having his head blown back because it's like so loud but so clear and uh it's like that's what I imagine listening to the Turks would be like, except it's just the most unpleasurable experience possible. It's like, <laughs> I mean, you know, like, damn, you know, that guy sounded angry. You can almost feel the spittle hitting your face because he's so angry. And he's just bumping and overblowing his mic and stuff. Like yeah. Alex Jones will scream and yell throughout the show, but he has better mic control than that and yeah. less of a budget. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's, I, I haven't, I've, I think I've only heard one episode. I need to get further into it, but I did want to talk about your podcast a little bit, spoken word or just spoken word. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, um, what are you about to hit episode 50? Yeah. Yep. Um, in the, what kind of stuff, what kind of stuff you talk about? I know, I know you're wanting to talk about like, uh, some spiritual stuff today. I'm assuming like that. From what I, the episode I did here, it seems like that's what you, you get into a lot of that stuff, and it's pretty cool. I love yeah. that kind of shit. Um, yeah, it's it, it to me, it's a dimension or a flavor of the entire human experience. Um, what I'm, it, it's like it's my contribution. So uh, to to as a way to look at reality, you know, like that intro in the John McAfee bumper. There's some there's some truth to that. I think it's more than just, you know, what you see on the, what they're trying to tell you what reality might be on the TV versus what you 
can do out, you know, in the real world mm-hmm. and then also in the imagination uh, or just different ways of thinking. There's there's multidimensional ways of looking at and thinking about what is around you. So uh, that's what I try to do with with my podcast is I've taken earlier on, I used to just write essays and then I also have pictures and stuff. Uh, as part of that essay to kind of illustrate certain points because sometimes a picture is a lot easier to convey a, uh, an idea rather than trying to write it out. It's like a thousand words to get an idea. You just look at the picture. So, right. I mean, that, that saying has truth to it. So, like, to be concise to on some, on some level, uh, some of my essays have the pictures and illustrations and captions and things like that to kind of tie an idea together. and uh, And then so... I, I took a lot of those early ones, like the first 20 or 23, uh, and, and just narrated them. And then also did the best that I could with describing the images that were that I was displaying for myself as a reader. And, um, and then, which, you know, I know that Vodcasting 2.0 can really take care of a lot of that. Uh, and they put pictures that different chapters and stuff. So it's something to think about is an improvement and growth avenue down the road for for my podcast, but, but, uh, uh, but then I just kind of started taking off with just letting an idea percolate in my mind when I would be running or, or, or whatever. It's something that maybe you've been thinking about for a couple of weeks and then just like speak it out and be a, a centralized topic of source. And there would be some room to kind of, um, uh, ad hoc kind of go in a tangent that's totally unexpected and unrelated perhaps, but, mm-hmm. uh, but to tie it back in eventually at the end to all in one piece. So it's kind of like a, it's like a, each episode is its own, uh, episode. Sometimes there's a common thread that it's woven throughout, but, um, it's really just a matter of like, of just trying to imagine and look at things differently. And it's just a, it's kind of like, uh, but then, but while being in touch with the fact that, you know, we're alive, we're having a living experience, and there's a, there's a, you know, the sensation of having all of your senses and everything's, you know, you're right there, right? So, and then having this feeling of, of existence, right? That the other part of it is something that you kind of grow into as you age, you know, because maybe all of the things hadn't come online yet. So, but you know, as you age, you get that, that feeling of like, oh, I am alive. So, and, uh, and so, you know, that's a, that's a different aspect of, of the human experience that, uh, I think that some people, you know, they, some, for a lot of people that happens and for some people it doesn't happen. And then for some people it's like they're born that way. So, I mean, so there's kind of a gradient in between, but what I like to do is just basically make thought experiments or just fun imaginings or just like, like it's fictionalized uh, audiobooks. So, but for a chapter, right? That's basically, yeah. it. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so when when you say like um, somebody like comes through realization that they're alive as they get older, like can you elaborate on that? Like I'm. Cause I'm trying to think, um, I guess like in my, what, like what I would equate that to is like, whether it was, um, like a psychedelic experience or, or discovering like, um, uh, outside, um, 
influences of thought, uh, like first hearing like Terrence McKenna or Alan Watts or something like that, or, or first reading like Ram Dass, um, something like that. Like, or is that what you're saying? Like the realization that you're alive or, or are you talking about something more internal? Uh, I probably, it's probably a combination of both perhaps, uh, couldn't really say one way or the other because they're, they're kind of linked together at this point for me. But, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, when I was, when I was growing up as a kid, I don't know, there was, there was times whenever, and I, they're, they're not like the worst of the worst. I'm just saying that I went through, you know, kids go through their own dark phases or their own depressive spots here and there. And, and there were times when I just used my imagination to escape. I used a lot of music and stuff like that. And then, so, um, I know in like my early twenties, you know, in college, there were some entheogenic experiences for sure. And, uh, and you know, those shaped me and quite a bit. I mean, they, they, they created, a uh, a crucible of sorts around my, my soul, and, uh, and it was just, uh, you know, it was a, an amazing time for me cause I was going to raves and stuff like that, uh, back then. And, uh, it was just like that. I felt like in terms of going to a, that kind of electronic dance music party and, uh, just getting lost in the crowd and just dancing. Right. I mean, you were just, you were just part of the movement of the entire people, you know, with the DJ kind of leading the way and you didn't know what direction it was going to be next, but it was going to be a good time. I mean, that was the whole point. So, uh, you know, it, it was a, a degree of freedom. It was a, it was like real freedom taste like, you know, for me, yeah. kind of like John McAfee was describing. So it's like, man, this is incredible. How do you bring that with back with you? So, um, you know, that's kind of, I walked through my young and early adulthood, uh, with that, with that kind of mindset from those experiences and, um, and then, but for me, uh, and this is more of a recent turn for me, but, um, I, I know in 2015 and then from, uh, early 2021, um, I, I basically just cut out drinking like completely from 2015. I took like a whole year off and then, uh, since 2021 and onward and current currently so it's for me it's like i just i just don't drink because i don't have i don't have the desire to numb myself (laughs) so i'm not trying to mentally escape so uh and and that other period you know it was just a uh, senses coming back online you know connections being reestablished and reconnected and like in my head where Otherwise, you know, you, you don't make the, the memory connections in your mind, um, you know, when you're drinking, because it's, well, you know, it's, it has that effect. <laughs> you don't yeah. remember much. So, I mean, yep. Yep. Uh, so, uh, but then you stop and it like the connections are like, finally, I have a chance to connect. So it reaches out and you get different, um, I don't know, your brain just comes more active and, and, and life takes a different color or hue. And uh, so you're... You were, I had a lot of uh, writing that happened during that period. And that's also when I tried the float tank for the first time. Like I was really trying to just make some different changes because I was like, I want to, 
I want to be the best person I can possibly be. So, you yeah. know, it's like, I mean, like, well, I'm going to do floating and we're going to, we're going to get a fluoride filter for my water and we're going to, I'm going to stop drinking for this year and uh, we'll just see how things feel. So, uh, and we're yeah. journey. I've never and, made it um, a year, um, but I, I did, I did notice just taking, you know, like four or so months off, um, at the start of this year, I think I drank maybe like I had one or two cheat days over the course of four or five months. And that was like a huge, you, de- yeah. you definitely notice like, it's almost like you're, you know, there's a cloud that gets lifted. Kind of like when you, if you smoke weed, like every day, all the time, that same, you don't notice it until like you stop for a while and you're like, whoa. Yeah. 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 Like, I've been kind of hazy and um, <laughs> just kind of mumbling, <laughs> bumbling around. And then you're all of a sudden you're like back in, uh, um, snapped back in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've in, uh, for me, uh, I, I'm not like an absolutist, you know, I, you know, there once in a while I'll have a, a beer just cause I like the taste of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, you know, it might be out with, um, you know, a group of friends or something like that and, uh, and have a beer, but, uh, I don't, I don't like get drunk. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, so much anymore. And, uh, not saying that I haven't, you know, there's definitely been times where I have as well. Like it'd be, you know, uh, four months and, and I like, you know, it's like be like a dude, you know, it's like, I want to get drunk. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, I want to, I want to kill that six pack or whatever, that 12 pack. So, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't and, done any, I haven't, um, I don't know. I guess it was, uh, how long ago was it now? Yeah. I don't know. Like the, I just remember the, like, I, the last time I got like sloshed. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. I realized like it's like I'm 28. I'm too old to be like waking up and going <laughs> right. like having to like think back like what did I do last night? Like I want to yeah. I don't want to not remember. Like that's like a horrible feeling when you're it's a horrible to be, feeling when you're like yeah. it's like oh fuck I don't even know what happened last night and that's happened shit that's happened on this podcast like a year or so ago. <laughs> so well, uh, I mean yeah, that, it's one of those where you have to piece the night back together because you get up and everything's in disarray. And then yeah. like, for instance, the last time I really, really did that. And, uh, one of my Apple AirPod pieces was like, it was on the couch. And then the other one was missing in action. You know, it's like, Oh shit. <laughs> it's like, and there is, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, you have food stuffs out, you know, that you're like, ah, get it later. I'm hungry. So, you know, it's just kind of a mess in the eating area. And, and, um, it's just, uh, you know, piecing, piecing that back together, piecing it back together and then, um, cleaning up afterwards. And then it's like, you're really not functional for that day anyway at all. So it's just a chore. Even that part of it's not fun either. And, uh, so yeah, I, it, it, it's been a long time for me for that, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't like to be like that at all. So, but for me, and I'm just like, you know, there's times whenever I, I'd like to, but, I know how much better I feel. So in general, so I mean, even, even just a few beers for me, I feel like, like I'm really in tune with my, just how I feel like is a, is like a healthy, like in a healthy sense, you know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, my lungs are clear. My nose is clear. Everything's clear. Like my, I, you know, I have, I have good flexibility, all that kind of the sensory of being healthy. Uh, so, uh, and I just know how, optimum feels in terms of like for the most part like alcohol is not something i really touch anymore and um and it feels good like this past <laughs> this past six seven weeks i've had i'm recovering and still technically 
recovering from a fibular fracture. I broke like one of the bones in my ankle, in my mm. left ankle. And I've been, you know, I had the splint and then I had the hard cast and then I had the walking boot with crutches. And, and then they said, okay, you can let go of the crutches, but keep the walking boot. And I just like, you know, like, I'm just like, I don't need the walking boot. I'm gonna be careful. Thank you. But, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it, it's been like a real interruption for what I usually do to wear myself out. You know, it's like as my mental escapism sometimes, but, uh, but just exercising, you know, I haven't been able to do that. And so that's been like, I usually like to, like, I like to run and cycle, but, uh, and then I get lost in my head out there doing that stuff. But then, um, um, like just doing it, stuff in the gym where it's just all you can do is machines or whatever. And, uh, it's just kind of like, you know, you, you can't move, you can't move at all. It's like you have to crutch everywhere and it's like, it slows you down to one quarter of the pace you used to, you know, just do things in your, your domicile or whatever, your home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's like it, it's, it was kind of, kind of dark. It's like, you just want to throw the crutches away with a slingshot or something. It's like yeah. I'm tired of using these things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had I've had to get stitches several times, but knock on wood, I've never broken any bones or fractured anything. So, we'll keep, yeah, and I hopefully we'll keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, you just say all you got to think is like you know we're just it's going to have another great day. You know, I I think I kind of manifested it for myself in a way um, because I was like so um, aware of it and how much I really appreciated just being active like currently now as I am you know, leading up and through in the summer and stuff like that. And I was like, if I get injured, you know, this is, this is how I, this is how I enjoy myself. If I get injured and this is taken away from me, I'm going to go crazy because it's like, I know that I won't be able to move, you know, I didn't go crazy, but it was very tough mentally for sure. But, uh, um, it's uh, almost like, yeah, you manifested a challenge for yourself or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so (laughs) that's all I was thinking about. If I get hurt, if I get hurt, and like, so eventually I walked down a path with that kind of mantra going through my head and, uh, and broke my ankle in a, in a, a jujitsu class and a jujitsu club. I had only been part of for like four weeks. I, I don't know anything about I'm white belt. Okay. Mm-hmm. I hadn't even gotten a stripe on my white belt at jujitsu class. And, and, and in less than four weeks, uh, my shoulders got really ground in, like I had impingement issues. Uh, I know I had probably a small right rib fracture, and then uh, I got I got knee in the face, which wasn't the person's fault. I'm just saying that these things happened to me, like knee in the face, and I got a scar above my left eyebrow now, and uh, you know it was a pretty good black eye all around. So you're not, a, like, you're not uh, selling me on signing up for jujitsu classes anytime soon. <laughs> it's not a good pitch. You see, but the thing is, is that I'm, I'm the fall guy, so you'll be fine. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, and then, and then I was doing a, a saving time. I thought going in the afternoon class and, uh, they're doing judo throw. And, uh, so I got, was being tripped backwards and I just didn't know how to fall. Clearly I didn't know how to fall and I broke my, my freaking ankle. So, uh, cause my foot planted and did not want to go backwards with me. So, uh, you know, I was like, I just decided to hang up the gi, unfortunately, and I want to still be able to do other contact sports, but I think, or not contact sports, but just other sports in general, like non-contact sports, <laughs> like mm-hmm. biking and running and things like that, that's 
still give your body movement. Like, you know, so that, uh, I just took that as a sign. That's like, maybe the jujitsu is not for me. No one else is getting hurt. Like I am. <laughs> it's, it's me. <laughs> so were you like the only uh, beginner in know, there? Not the, no, wasn't definitely not. Hmm. And, um, but, uh, I just think that, uh, I don't know. I just think that, uh, I'm not, I'm not cut out for it. Like, I know that if I probably went really, really gentle and if I had somebody to work, train with that was gentle and slow and we're not going into any weird moves where you lose control. Cause I mean, really it's not about throwing your opponent in jujitsu. It's about, it's, a, it's like a chess piece, but with your arms and your legs in order to reach a submission point. So it's like, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't think I want to get back into to try it, you know, because it's also really expensive and uh, per month. And uh, uh, but, I mean, you know, it was a good experience while it lasted, but I mean, right. kind of. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, you need some like uh, damage uh, injury insurance or something. Yeah, Do it. you yeah. better have insurance. Ass whooping insurance. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, so also, you know, in terms of like the website and stuff like that, I mean, an inspiration for it. Uh, like back in twenty uh, twenty one and, and and up to now, uh, like ideas flow through me quite quickly and easily and it's nothing to just be able to sit down and just record my thoughts on things that appear to me in a new way it's often imaginary but that's the beauty of being told in the audible format because i mean audiobooks are sort of a big deal so um you know and if you could paint good pictures in somebody's head or use it as some sort of um form of entertainment and that you can apply it then and you can look at it however it is that you want right it's up to the individual you know it's like the 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 viewer gets to also be the participant in the creation of whatever it is that you think you're listening to you know so right um it's a form of art as a way in a way too um and uh, so i kind of take it in that direction as well um because if it colors like when you go to a, an amusement park and you go on those rides it gives you a thrill right like it makes you feel like whoa you feel alive right so uh because it gets the adrenaline going or whatever um you know it makes you feel like you're brushing with death but you get pulled back from the snatches just the nick of time and and uh, then you leave and like you've had that adrenaline jump and everything like that and you you feel good and you're tired and, stuff, and you sleep well that night but uh you know you do that with the uh, with with audiobooks too, um, in a way, and you can, uh, make people think differently than they maybe would have for a moment. And, um, you know, for the most part, I've never had anybody to say that, uh, that what I wrote about was really offensive or anything like that. Uh, and that I shouldn't, you know, think like that or, or, but, uh, but, you know, for the most part, uh, it's yeah. And I sent one to my aunt who is, I, I, I wrote a, I compiled all of these into like a small little booklet. Uh, and so, and I sent one to my aunt and let her read it. And she's like hardcore Catholic, you know, and she's like, I sat there and I read that thing three times and was really trying to understand where you're coming from. And she goes, you have such a sweetheart. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, it's, uh, in terms of just like, uh, spirituality, which is just this experience of knowing that you're alive and that you're engaged in your own what your life looks like for you 
um, and you're aware of that, and you can you can reach up to and bring down to yourself any level of hell or heaven that you want. You can mm-hmm. bring it to you. <laughs> it's all up to you. It's just what do you want? And uh, you know that's the thing that we're kind of all kind of uh, coming to understand. I think that um, is that some people don't want to make a decision. They just want to be told what to do. And as long as it's a comfortable life, you know, you yeah. know, then we're good. But uh, if if there's bumpy patches, man, that's not what I signed up for. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I yeah, kind of got lost there. No, I, and I think um, it does. I think there is like a large element of people that probably know things are um, like in the back of their mind. They know things are kind of fucked, but they don't want to um, to to uh, address that or admit that to yourself would mean you almost have like a, um, a duty to like speak out about uh, certain things, and then that puts you at risk uh, potentially fiscally or you know otherwise um yeah but yeah but um as far as like the nature of reality and uh heaven and hell and and uh reincarnation all that stuff goes like the like i don't know like the the clo- like the harder and closer i feel like um at least in my experience i've come to like mapping out exactly where we are and what this place is and all that like the more um on the verge of crazy, I feel like I've become. And you just gotta basically like what I what it's come down to for me is just accepting that I have no idea what the hell this place is or where we are and what is who made it and any and what the um actual nature of uh reality is. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Because um you know, one of the other things that I've kind of also ramped up from uh and getting to this point, similar to, to like what you are, like you'd mentioned Alan Watts and Terrence McKenna. And also there's uh, Ramdas has like recordings of his stuff being broadcast in a podcast format. And yeah, he's great. So that's, he's another way to consume. Yeah. And I'm just always continuing like some of the, some of the things that Alan Watts talked about as reference material that he points to are some of the, some books that there's one in the yoga sutras, which is kind of like what yoga actually is all about. Um, and uh, what its application means, not just in terms of like a union of the movement of the body with the breath, but also just like in a way of thinking. Um, there's like, it's really deep. And then like the origins of Zen from the sixth patriarch. I have these books. I've started to read, started to read them. I just haven't gotten through them yet for sure. And I'm not really and deep enough to really give my opinion, like, like how I'm sure awesome that they are in order to like, like you're getting down to some of the root material of uh, philo- like deep philosophical, spiritual, uh, like ways of looking at things that are, you know, they're unique. You know, it's an Indian way. There's a, and then the 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 Zen stuff. I mean, that is technically even it's not necessarily Asiatic. It's like it stems from India and stuff too. So um, at its like even further root level. So uh, this, you know spirituality discussions go deep I mean, there's a long history of that kind of stuff yeah That's- the um I, it, there was something that alan i'm gonna butcher it but there's some alan watts lecture he was given about meditation and the yogis that spend or you know the silent um the monks that you know don't talk for the rest of their lives to reach like nirvana and 
the yogis that'll just sit in silence or and just meditate and meditate for decades and barely even eat anything just he's like it's like yeah you can reach an immense pleasure from doing that um but you're really kind of squandering the nature of actually what you are because if you just you know reach satori or enlightenment just sitting around your whole life then you're really no better than a log or a rock <laughs> and i was like wow it's <laughs> like wow that's uh, yeah makes a lot of sense yeah yeah um kind of a, putting you know, a I dig think... on a lot of the uh, uh eastern mysticism stuff but it, it was yeah. as soon as he as soon as he framed it in that way i was like wow yeah <laughs> yeah well um you know there's there's i think that everybody uh how they describe that level of comfort for um having that experience and coupled with the earthly experience which makes me sound like oh you know oh uh, it's, it, what i mean by that is just like the 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 nature of the f- knowing that you're alive right that we're all alive at the same time having this experience and a body right that we exist and that's the the spirituality aspect that that's kind of my hobby in making different descriptions about um and um, ways and ways of thinking so um but like marrying those two together at the same time uh, you know just treating them like they are a symbiotic type of energy relationship or something like a, a dna of physical materia and then of uh undefinable ether in a way where it's just like the knowledge of the universe is torsing through you and uh, and out and it all just kind of gets recycled back you know, through a rhythm, like a whirlpool in a, in a lake or, or a, a river or something like that. So, um, and it's just a pattern, right? So that we're just, we're just patterns of waves in the universe. And, um, and, you know, and some patterns have other patterns run through them. So, uh, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So, and, and having that experience of, because I've, I would I've had, I don't know what I would call it, uh, but I've had experiences that probably sound similar to like a, a nirvanistic type of experience, I guess. And, um, and then, but I don't know what I'd call it, like for myself, really. It's just, it was an experience and to be aware of it. And then I can remember it. Uh, like, a, know, like, like a dissolving of boundaries to the point where you feel like you are everything. Yeah, it's like yeah. a being one with the universe, yeah. uh, where you you don't feel like that's what kind of like a float tank kind of creates sometimes, and because you get that that temperature where it's just matched to the temperature of your skin surface, and it's you can't hear anything, and you're just there's no sense of gravity, and it's quiet and uh, dark, and and no temperature sensation, and it's just you and your mind, you know, and so then things like. Your brain's like, well, I don't know what to do with this because <laughs> there's nothing to process. So we're just going to dial it all back, boys. And uh, and it's like all of a sudden, just like language processing just goes to like me talking to the, you know, it's like it just like everything becomes garbled. And then it's like you just, your consciousness just goes and it goes in one experience after the next, after the next, like that zoom sequence and that movie limitless, right. Where it's like, he just, all of a sudden he took it. And then the next thing you know, you see a zoom through like New York city or something like that mm-hmm. at night. And it's like, 
it's just one thing after the next after the next. And uh, and then finally, like, the float tank thing stops, and you're like, and the light comes on, and uh, you get out, and you're like, wow, that was, like, this is where the ride gets off now. But, you know, it's like, uh, like how you take that back and integrate that with yourself, you know, after you've had that experience, it's like, that's neat and challenging sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, there can be a point where um, you want to climb and be financially and materialistically successful. Like, you know, there's no reason, like you kind of, in a way, I mean, energy is all out there. I mean, so you can find ways to get more energy, to make more energy, and to continue to like really apply yourself if you want. Uh, there's will is people willing to help people get off the home, the streets, you know, like there's always a hand ready to grab. So, but, uh, in, in most circumstances, I'm not saying that the scenarios where there's no hands ever doesn't exist, but they do. But, but, you know, for the most part, if you're listening to this, you're probably in a position where you could probably get a hand. So, uh, mm-hmm. and to, to enable yourself even more. And, um, but it's like, yeah, there's a certain point where like, well, how much is enough for you? Right. I mean, do you want to, you know, do you want your basic needs met, uh, where you have reliable shelter and creature comforts of food and water and being able to appreciate going outdoors and da 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 da, or do you want to have like really really expensive fast cars and big ass house that you need somebody to come over and clean for you and it's like and you know you got somebody to mow the yard for you and then you got to make decisions about oh what kind of flowers do we want in here, Margaret? You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, when is what's enough for you to be satisfied and just take a moment to stop making decisions and thinking about things and just be quiet and let your mind just calm down. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and that's that. So that nirvana period where it's like everything is bliss um, and you don't recognize anything except the fact that you're alive. And then there's this period of, of, of having the human experience where, you know, we got to work to eat down here. So, um, and, uh, uh, wait, how wait, do you, how do you... sorry, go ahead. No, I, I basically just, I'll go ahead and interject because I'll probably trail on for too much. Oh, well, I was just <laughs> going to ask, like, what do you make of Alan Watts as an example, but there's also like a lot of the Zen, um, Buddhist guys and, and just a bunch of these guys that you know supposedly reached enlightenment after they reach enlightenment they just become drunks like mm. alan watts was just like a raging alcoholic i mean he had a good I time doing that. it but what do you make of that like the guys I, that I, like become enlightened and then just spend the rest of their days getting fucked up yeah because i feel like like i was that guy for sure not saying that i was at any level of close to theirs but uh i mean i was definitely drinking a lot but uh, I guess, um, I don't know, maybe it is a, in a way, maybe for them, uh, it felt like a prison to know and to not really be able to do anything with it of a substance, like that their imagination was allowing them to, like they know mm-hmm. the essence of what makes up the fabric of our existence. They get yeah. that. So, but now they've got another 30 years ahead <laughs> and they're like, well, shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So they're maybe even speeding up their own. Uh, exit or transition, right? Like it, you know, which it, is kind of. It's almost like the magic, the magic of uh, if you if if the mystery's gone, the magic is gone, almost a little bit. That makes sense. But that's that's a thing. Yeah, it does. But that's the thing is that it would seem that even if you do, perhaps uh, when you die, 
your experience continues to go. So um, yeah. I, 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 I think that until it, until it naturally, like sometimes your, your awareness of consciousness gets broken. Like if it's blackout drunk or anesthesia or something like that. Um, and you have no idea how much time has passed. You're like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but for the most part, uh, I think that your body somehow in an energetic way that the universe is, and there's an, a lot of overlapping frequencies that make our experience real. Okay. But that the, uh, the otherwise that like, I think that the universe wants itself to, to generally speaking, like allow the consciousness because everything is consciousness at some level. And that that wants to maintain consciousness in some levels, maybe the experience of death as, uh, uh, um, as a, a letting go of the experience of the body and just passing on in a very um, less dense way, I guess, you know, it would be kind of like a, a way to say ghost-like or just wispy uh, until you move into, which I, I've kind of had a, uh, an, you know, would sit there and think about what the death experience might be like, um, you know, nobody can say, you know. <laughs> I think Ramdas uh, Ramdas said it's like taking off a tight shoe. Yeah, yeah, and I would say that because, like, uh, um, uh, like your experience is is going to perhaps be intact, unless it was just so traumatic where this the next thing everything is broken, um, except for uh, the things being returned to provide you a network of sensory information, like centralization. So. Um, but then, uh, but if you pass away, it's like, you just don't have, there's no body from which to, uh, engage in your surrounding. You're just kind of moving through like in a, like in a float tank, right? If you're still conscious, but you feel like you're moving. And as oftentimes a sensation that one might feel in a float tank is they feel like their body's moving literally left to right or downward. And it's like, you're just in a tank, man. Your brain's making all that shit up. So, I mean. But it's uh, almost like when you um, are like on the verge of falling to sleep and you in your bed and you all of a sudden have this sensation of falling. Yeah. For no reason. Jerk or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah, you get that hypnagogic uh, level uh, where the dream state starts to kick in. It's like, whoa. And that's the other thing, too, for me is like I oftentimes will dream so my sleeping feels it's I know REM is a good sleep stage, but. It feels like, you know, like when I go to sleep, it's like my dreams sometimes are so real. I don't get a break. Um, I Do definitely got to, maybe that. Maybe you experimented that with something. lucid dreaming much? Yeah, uh, a little bit. Never did the thing where like, you know, I've got, okay, I've got, to, I've got to watch here. It's going to say 222. And uh, if it doesn't say that, I know I'm dreaming. So yeah. I, I really haven't actively engaged in that way. But um, I did have a, a device that it was a, a stroboscopic lamp specifically engineered with like uh, LEDs uh, and um, like software that you could run created uh, frequency rate programs, light programs that would flicker at certain rates for a certain period of time with certain amplitude and all this kind of unique controls that you could have over the the flicker. Hmm. And it could create like very kaleidoscopic images in your mind. So you lay underneath this thing and like it flickers and you close your eyes and then it flickers. And so the light that traverses the eyelids into your, into your visual cortex or your brain, like the flicker rates and all that's kind of different changes and stuff like that. It can make it like a real time 
full-blown kaleidoscopic effect. It's crazy. Fractally. Uh, so not sharp fractals or anything like that, but like, but generally speaking, it's pretty wild. It's pretty uh, multicolored, multi-patterned. Um, and then you can use it to also uh, dial in your brainwave down to the theta range, which is where you start having dreams, but it kind of keeps you awake even though you just slip into that spot. So it's a meditative spot. It's a spot where dreaming starts to occur and you can get there. And then because the light's still flickering, it kind of keeps you, it's a cue that you're still awake. And so you can kind of control it. And sometimes you're just letting the experience happen. And it's just like, oh, wow, this is like a lucid dream that I'm just watching. So, but yeah, I, that, I started that, I tried to use that device as a business and actually had office space and a legit like i had business cards man there was no way to sell that thing around to people without coming off it's like what is it and what does it do what's the service and yeah so explain so that to you want me to you want me folk? to come to your place and sleep and pay you <laughs> right while i'm asleep and you're still there so yeah. <laughs> uh you know it's like there's nothing creepy about that oh you want me to sit underneath this lamp where it's gonna i'm going to see things that aren't there uh and how and long have you worked to... for the ci's mk ultra program yeah Right, right. Where you're going to play subliminal messaging into the into the the music that you're feeding into me as well. So yeah, I mean, I've had a I've had a couple people from like I'd use the Meetups.com system, and uh, I had a couple meetings and and but no repeat return customers really. Usually, when people tried it once was enough. But and I never got that because it was like it's a pretty powerful device in terms of its ability to put you into that meditative state that really dreamy kind of almost a sleep state and yeah. for relaxation i'd love to try uh, that it sounds awesome yeah it's pretty cool it's just like now it's just like this expensive paperweight that i keep <laughs> my claw you know it puts my storage so it's like because it's just it's not useful no one would buy it like for what i paid for it so and uh, i'm glad that i didn't because there's a competitor model and that thing was like twenty five grand. I did not buy the twenty five grand Jeez. model. Is there a um, <laughs> you know you could? Yeah, what are these things called? Like, can I see one in action on YouTube? Maybe for. Uh yeah. If you took up like uh, uh, Lucia L U C I A number three, uh, that's the twenty five grand model. Uh, then there's also Pandora Star Lucia three light. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, Lucia three light. Yeah, and. Uh, that's a, an example of one of these devices. Um, Dennis McKenna actually talked about one of these devices that he was promoting. It seemed like kind of had like a, a little sponsorship perhaps thing going on with the manufacturer, but uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a gold device. It kind of had some pyramid. Faith in God. Oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to get some, I'm trying to look at these <laughs> visuals here. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, the McKenna uh, guys, man, the there, there's something creepy about Dennis and Terrence, I think. I think they're um, spooks for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I thought Terrence was an incredibly gifted um, and deep thinker. Um, you know, he did. Um, but, uh, I mean, I didn't, I you know, I, I derive more value from alan watts lectures probably than anybody else yeah, i'll i'll move around there's a quite a f yeah there's a quite a few gurus i like to listen to terrence is, um, is don't get me wrong like i loved his lectures and it like this sci-fi kind of egghead way of speaking and everything but yeah there was some stuff 
God, we did a whole like long show early on. Noah and I did on Terrence McKenna. Yeah. And uh, I once I did the deep dive because I'd read I'd already read like two of his books. Um, but then I heard I don't know if you got into Jan Nerv and if you know who he is. He was on Joe Rogan back in the day. One of the mm. most dickish Joe Rogan episodes ever. Rogan was just a total asshole to him. But he, he's the guy that smoked DMT with Eddie Bravo and Rogan originally. Oh, and and um, we had him on the show a while back. And his um, he has a pretty compelling case that Terrence McKenna is um, was like a and Terrence and Dennis were like CIA MK Ultra guys and um, um, but he he goes like so far to where I can't cross the bridge with him because his evidence kind of gets scarce at certain points where it's like mm-hmm. uh, he says Alan Watts was also involved in like MK Ultra and like the whole that whole scene of everybody Ramdas and all of them like we're all like. Hmm. on CIA payroll the whole time and I'm like I don't understand at a certain point like um how all those pieces fit together but the t- the Terrence McKenna one there's a lot of evidence there I think interesting I didn't know that about Terrence uh the theories about like that I mean I could see where uh the CIA would love to have these kinds of people who have great influence because they're charismatic and they're articulate and um, they are uh, speaking about something that a lot of people haven't given consideration, perhaps. And mm-hmm. so they can, you know, they can get a captive audience. They can get people that will really want to listen. And uh, so like, oh, if they could co-opt that some way, you know, that and uh, why don't you just sprinkle these words in here once in a while? We'll just, you know, just say this trigger word for so we can use it, yeah. you know, down the road. <laughs> so I found I found uh, my old clip bank of McKenna clips. Oh, nice. Let's see. This might be one of the ones I'm thinking of. And faster and faster. I think that's why the FDA right now is trying to do away with it because it is growing. If you knew the legislation that is going on right now, they are raiding health food stores with guns and taking things out of there that like aloe vera products. And they're saying they've never been tested. We haven't approved it. And they're taking, I guarantee you, this is happening right now. And that's why you have to be aware. And you have to educate people about it. But you see, at the same point, at the same time, they're granting the first INDs for psychedelic research in 30 years. So I, pre- instead of taking a paranoid view, I, you know, that they are against it they. and us, I, I just think that if you dissect these human institutions, what you find always are individuals and. Uh, Usually these institutions are fraught with internal conflicts mm-hmm. about what they're doing. Um, okay, so I, okay, so that one he says they, talking about the government, right? When he says they are against, instead of taking an uh, attack that they are against us, right? Does that make sense? How'd you mute yourself? <laughs> Oh, ah, <laughs> okay. Uh, but, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. I do that all the time. But just uh, keep in keep in mind the context of his use of the word "they" talking about the government. I'm curious about one thing: why is it important for you to do this? I wonder myself. Um, <laughs> you mean, am I the uh, alien ambassador, whether I like it or not? <laughs> Well, I often when asked this question, I said, you know, it beats honest work. 
I mean, my brother is a PhD in three subjects and uh, works in hard science. And uh, it, I don't think it's brought him immense happiness, not that he's despondent. But uh, I was always kind of a slider, uh, you know. And uh, certainly when I reached La Chirera in 1971, I had a price on my head by the FBI. I was running out of money. I was at the end of my rope. And then uh, they recruited me <laughs> and said, you know, with a mouth like yours, there's a place for you in our organization. And, um, you know, I've worked in deep background positions about which the, best, the less said the better. And then, you know, about 15 years ago, they shifted me into public relations, and I've been there uh, to the present. There you go. That's interesting. Uh, huh. I never I never knew that about... You know, he does he kind of uh, fit that, that model of, like, uh, I guess it was... Uh, uh, who were the LST gurus? Timothy, Timothy Leary, Leary was the big one. I mean, that's proven that he yeah. was a CIA guy. Yeah, exactly. For sure, he was. A, everyone knows that. For the, you know, if you do any any dive into the lore of like the culture, uh, then you're going to find that out for sure. Uh, uh, McKenna, though, is kind of surprising to me, I guess, because I just never. You know, I I've gone down rabbit holes, but you've only, I guess. Only so much time to go down. Yeah, there's a lot of rabbit holes. There's a lot. There's a lot out there. I but mean, to, ki- to go, it kind of makes sense. Like the tune in, ter- even if Alan Watts, mm-hmm. like, um, because if you, if like the Terrence McKenna did a great job getting people to question culture, um, but like what the the the, the hippie like psychedelic movement that uh, those types of guys kind of created was um a stepping stone to the destruction of the nuclear family and all that um yeah i could see that so um, it could be it could be an intentional sabotage of um you know good polite christian society <laughs> but you know right right which is you know everyone enjoys because everyone's for the most part nice i guess right so uh it, you know the I guess it's, I know Watts was kind of like, you know, you don't have to keep picking up a ringing phone, I guess. You know, it's like when you get the message, hang up you, the can, phone, yeah. you can hang Which up the I phone. Which I kind of, I didn't used to agree with that, but I um, definitely, I, um, I definitely I'm think. I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like I've been, I, I, you know, I don't know if I've ever been like, yeah, you can just stop. And, well, I don't uh, think never a permanent hanging again. up the, Yeah, I don't know if about a permanent hanging up the phone, but you know. Yeah. It's like maybe that once every like once a year, once every couple of years. You don't need to do yeah. it every week, <laughs> or whenever, right? Or whenever it feels like an appropriate time for you, you know. And, and all mm-hmm. the all the all the planets are in alignment, right? So right. it's like okay. Um, and when you have uh, all your ducks in a so, row, I think that's a huge component of um, of tripping. Is like if you're not like putting in work in between trips, then it's. Um, whereas, like you know, you're gonna get a lot more out of it if you're applying like lessons that you've learned and taking Mm -hmm. doing working on yourself and the things around you to um in between trips where you come back to the the guy or whatever you call it yeah i and i and i 
I'm still kind of as a you know as an adult still doing that. I mean, always doing that. I mean, for me, it's like you know, as uh, I've gone through some uh, changes in my life, and you know, for the most part, just kind of live live solo, you know, but then like having this period of where it was in combined with the, the pandemic lockdowns. And so I was working from home a lot. There's a lot of alone time and, and I would get my, my social time a lot with, uh, going to the gym or, uh, you know, hang out with my kid, you know, once in a while. So kids and, uh, um, so, um, it, it, I don't know, you know, sometimes uh, putting in the work and, and just trying to be a better person, you know, in general, I mean that, and then applying those things that you get exposed to, um, yeah, you know, when you, when those moments, you get to have those moments, I guess, uh, it's um, and just and retapping back into those things that you've had from years ago, even sometimes like that, sometimes there's still work to do on stuff that <laughs> it's like, Hey, you didn't you didn't finish this project yet? You know this one's still got some work left into it. So I was like, you can go back uh, on some things too. It's like you mm-hmm. always got a plethora of, of things to work on. But uh, um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I kind of got lost there in my thoughts. But uh, um, yeah, it, it's important. No, not to, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I got one. This one's long, so let me know if you want me to pause it at any time. But this is one more McKenna clip, and this one was the one that really. Um, when I found when I came across this one, this was the one that was like, okay, this guy, something weird's going on with this guy. Yes, I've been saying for some time that, and the mushroom pointed this out to me. If every woman had only one child, the population of the planet would fall fifty percent in forty years. Fifty percent in 40 years without war, revolution, coercion, anything else. Now, when you suggest this to people, they say, well, didn't they try that in China and it failed? Yes, but you have to think about a couple of things. First of all, a a child born to a woman in Maui or Malibu or Manhattan, that child will use between... 800 and a thousand times more resources in its lifetime than a child born to a woman in Bangladesh. Why do we preach birth control in Bangladesh? We should be preaching it on Maui, Manhattan, and Malibu because the women in those places are highly educated, socially responsible, global people and therefore are the population most likely to respond to this suggestion. If 15% of the women in the high-tech industrial democracies were to limit their childbearing uh, to one child, within 10 years, certain pressure indicators on the planet would begin to move away from the red and into the black. So I think that we have got to deal with this question of population. There are clearly too many people. Okay, you see where this is uh, going so far? I mean, uh, I don't know. Well, strap in. uh... And one woman, one child, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a psychedelic advocate to understand the impact of that. If the population of the earth were cut in half, 
everybody alive would be twice as wealthy. It's possible in 120 years that we could reduce the Earth's population to a billion very healthy, very comfortable, very well-educated people. Okay, that's part of what the mushroom said, and I think it may seem radical in some circles, but not here, perhaps. It also said something else, which I rarely mention, but since you brought it up, there are not only too many people, there are too many men. And I would be very interested in seeing a set of social policies, tax incentives, medical policies, insurance policies put in place to limit male birth. It's very rare in mammal populations that you have a 50-50 ratio of male to female. And in fact, it's well known that male infants are less robust than female infants. And the reason we have a 50-50 sexual ratio is because we artificially support males and withdraw resources from females. I suspect that in the high Paleolithic, the ratio was closer to... Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, creepy shit, right? <laughs> yeah. Very, I'd be I'd be a, a hugely supportive of an incentive to limit male birth through legal means and tax incentives and medical uh, medical practices too for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. See, this is this and and the there's what there's two there's either he's being the mushroom didn't tell him this I don't think I think this is some kind of like eugenicist narrative that he's pushing or he's just really wants to have like more women out in the like he wants a bigger sea of fish for him to. You know, put his dick in. I yeah, guess. you know, they could say that they're kind of that's sort of like there's a model of that that happens in the Middle East uh, a little bit. Uh, so there's a, probably I bet you, I would be willing to wager a dollar that in the Middle East there are fewer men. Hmm, I might lose that buck. Fewer men, like the ratio fifty fifty. More inbreds. America's fifty. If America's fifty fifty, the Middle Eastern is probably like I don't know. 60-40? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe it's just the idea of the king and his harem. That's what I'm thinking of. But that's not When in doubt, go to Snopes.com. Exactly. <laughs> Fact check that shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I don't know. Um, that's your McKenna segment for the day. That's that's uh, that's striking. That's yeah. strike. I've never, never heard any recordings of him. And I've listened to a lot of McKenna recordings on YouTube. And, they buried uh, that one talking about how they recruited me. You know, working in uh, yeah. deep background. Yeah. Moved me into pub PR. <laughs> I was working in yeah. deep background about the less. And then Dennis McKenna came back and said, well, this is out of context. He was talking about the mushrooms recruited him. It's like he was just talking about being on the run from the FBI and being out of, out of money. Then the mushrooms recruited him. And why would he be in deep background about the less said, the better? How does that? None of that. Uh, that none of that fits into mushrooms. So Dennis McKenna's like, um, dismissal of it and saying anybody who plays that clip is crazy it, it was yeah did the mushroom tell uh terrence that he's he sure got a pretty mouth and uh <laughs> forced him to you know like come here and eat me baby so it's like or that was the fbi because they're i don't know blackmailers or something i don't know but uh yeah. uh you know that 
maybe not a, uh, you know, it, it makes it sound like the FBI is shady in the way he describes it that way too. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but it's like, he uh, says which, they, but he says he's worked, he's been, they moved him into PR and he said, with a mouth like yours, you have a place in our organization. So it's like, he's yeah. definitely spook. It's definitely, so a he's a speaker. Heavy. He's a speaker yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, spook, and, spook, uh, uh, but he did, he did kind of, yeah, he's, but he did say something kind of odd too. was like, and the mushrooms always also say, right? He's they're giving him this eugenics type of blueprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know, we could have on this planet size, uh, we could have about this many people, and everyone could be living large and balling. Yeah. And uh, uh, but uh, here's how you do it. And it's like, and also the mushrooms say, and it's like, wow. Wow. The mushrooms bro. say we come in peace. We are invading. <laughs> right. Ack, like, ack, ack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you will feel no yeah. pain. We are infiltrating <laughs> our planet. Yeah. yeah well, oh. Okay, I have For one real. question um before mm. we wrap. I do have uh, at least two, maybe three more shows to do today, so can't go too long right, cool. on any of them, unfortunately. But uh-huh. Before we wrap, I have a question for you. All right. Do you, is, do you believe in good and evil, like hard and fast, good and evil? And if so, what does that mean? Uh, I think that I think that you you do. I think that yes, uh, and but it's um, definitely um, perception driven, um, and that's kind of like if you want to say it comes from perhaps in some circles. Of religious thought that it comes from knowing good and evil from having eaten in the Garden of Eden, the forbidden uh, container of what would give you that knowledge. Okay, whatever that is, doesn't have to be an apple. It's probably just the easiest analogy to use. It's probably but a mushroom. <laughs> could be. A, it could be, as Terrence would say, you got a pretty mouth. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> so it could be that. Yeah, it could be a lot of things, and um, sometimes. When you literally do acts of kindness for somebody, like you give them, let's say that you're being um, a, a philanthropic or volunteerist, you know, and you are helping give somebody food or helping this, that, and the other, there are literally people out there would say that you shouldn't do that. You know, that's wrong. That's evil. Uh, there's literally psychopaths out there that, as far as we would generally agree, are and as an act of good service as a Samaritan. Uh, that that that's that's evil out there. There's literally, I believe that there are people out there that would say that. And uh, and then like what we would consider evil, perhaps there are some people out there that would say that that's good. So um, like eugenics. And and there's it's yeah, right exactly because the earth, you know, and 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 all that good stuff. So uh, there's a there there are oppositional forces for sure. And I think it would be entirely appropriate to give those, in terms of a dualistic summation down to it, it's um, just painting it within that one context that, yeah, you can say this is good and this is evil. And um, whether you label black or white as evil and black or white as good is up for interpretation, but uh, or any colors that are just like contrasted to each other, yes. Um, but uh, it's, it's how you go about... Uh, what does your innate compass guide you to do? Okay, and that is part of being alive and not just being programmed to be an NPC for somebody else's bidding. Okay, so that's where 
uh, uh, would say uh, recognizing this aspect of yourself that you can control yourself by the words you use, uh, by the thoughts that you think, uh, that, that direct action. Action leads to outcomes, okay? <laughs> so, uh, you know, just use, I just have to say, use your internal compass and do what you really think that you would define as, which I would think is a, a beneficiary thing to everyone else, good. And I think it'll all sort itself out in the end, so... Okay, follow up question. Then, do you think like, um, I because I don't believe in like a permanent. Uh, I was talking about this with Sir West. I don't believe in like a permanent um, anything like state of being, like a permanent mm -hmm. uh, eternal bliss or a permanent damnation or anything. But do you think yeah. like, um, based on the actions have consequences and a reaction has an opposite and equal reaction or whatever, <clears throat> like the karmic wheel of like reincarnation or whatever happens, whatever next journey into hyperspace jump that happens when you die, does like your decisions carry through or is it like blank slate every wow. time? Cause it, it makes the most sense to me that like there would be a, a karmic um, momentum that your neck that you take with you based on where you've been and what just happened and where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that, that there's nothing that's ever static for sure. Like there's like a grand equilibrium and it's all like, like glass. I don't think that is the case at all. I think that there's constant movement. And so, uh, the, um, it's all just like a, a, con a contained self-organized combination of like cells that move throughout a body and they do a function. Okay. I mean, like there's like inside the human body itself, it is a marvel of billions of cells and other organisms, bacteria, things like that, all working in a harmonious way. And they're always, uh, you know, they're, they're doing their own thing. You know, just as a human body, you sit there in a chair motionless, like you're inside, you're moving around all kinds of stuff. But uh, so there's always the experience like on a grand scale, like in a universalistic, universalistic scale, of consciousness being like a cell moving through things. Uh, I think that, that, that is true. That's and an interesting that, analogy, that, uh, not to cut you off, but just real quick, that's an interesting analogy too. Cause then like, you know, the, the human body, the cells in the human body, like all the, you know, and humans are cells in on earth, on the earth or in the universe. But then like what's yeah. that you, there's also cancer cells in the human body. So that I mean that would imply there's cancer cells in the, uh, in the universe. Right, right, and uh, um, it, it's kind of like it would be fractal in a way, like patterns that repeat, and it's almost like yeah, you know I mean? like you can you can get mirrors set up perfectly front to back, and side to side, and you'll uh, sometimes you get it pretty close, but usually the infinity effect, like it always curves off to the right just a little bit, yeah, and uh, you never get to see it just continuously go forever, but. Uh, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of like what I would imagine even going through, through the death process that it's just like, it doesn't stop with just this, like it will morph into something else as you move through energetic dimensions that are being filtered out by your brain intentionally. I mean, we, we only consume and integrate, uh, certain frequencies of EMF, but then there's other, other things that affect like the construct of our brains, for instance, and the rhythms that they have, you know, those are invisible wavelengths. 
And uh, uh, so there's an experiential aspect of th- that's also a dimension. It's not just spatial dimensions. I think there's temporal uh, or whatever word you'd use for the mind mm-hmm. dimensions. And uh, so that's why some people can detect certain things and some people don't. Some people are overly imaginative and some people are not. Um, um, so, uh, but in terms of like karmic following, um, you know, you could, you could say that, I mean, you can also say that going forward here right now, like I am, I have come from this place. I have a past behind me. Am, are you this person? And, uh, maybe some controversy in saying, no, I am not that person. I am a new person every day. And I'm just trying to piece it together as I go along or, yeah, that's my reputation. You know, you look back on it and you can, Anus you can be happy about it. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that there's a couple of ways of looking at it. I mean, it just depends on whether you want to reinvent yourself um, immediately with some some degrees of rationalism built into it. Not like you can literally just think that you are XY chromosome and now you are automatically uh, X, X chromosome, right? You know, you're, you can't just think that into existence and boom, like they do in a, uh, Instagram video or something like that where they touch the screen and boop, no clothes. So it's like, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's probably some degree of, of karmic ripple effect that follows, but, um, you know, it, it's just, it's always going to be novel. And so perhaps those things might follow you, but you forget, uh, clearly forget about them because the experience of the new dimension of, which is a different confluence of planes of reality and energies, you know, it creates a new experience entirely, and um, you forget about that stuff from the prior incarnation. But a, it's I, energy that follows you, still follows you, and affects those other things. And so that's why sometimes in your lifetime, you just hit all of a sudden with like, and then boom, you have like bad experience. And perhaps that's that following you, though you were just dumbfounded by it. Yeah, or or just blind luck, you know, that is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it could be the other the way. positive way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah what? It, no, I, ha- I have a strong inkling, and because it kind of happened to me like the the uh, first time I had like full on ego death, and, like Gandalf was like a thousand years in the <laughs> cosmic vortex or whatever. But like they, um, I have a pretty it, a significant feeling that in between like uh, incarnations, you you zoom out and you see exactly where you've been where you've been and where you're going on like your the the thread you're on that your consciousness is on and then like but you know that you're like when you go into that next one you're like all right so you know going in that you're going to forget everything until the next time you bounce back out and see it all from like a uh google maps view yeah I uh, I love that way that you described that. Um, I I would um, I've thought about consciousness where uh, you know when you pass away uh, and you don't have any more mental restrictions filtering things out, like you become. You know, it's actually interesting about entheogenic type things or like mushrooms or LSD. I know that they've done functional MRI scans on people who have ingested that, and then they watch the blood flow and they're trying to figure out what's the brain doing while they're tripping. And, yeah. uh, and that's like, what the interesting thing is, is like, it's, it's actually reduces the blood flow in the brain. So it's less active, looks like metabolically and which is odd. You think it because you're perhaps seeing and hearing things or feeling things and, uh, that normally aren't there that you're 
everything's in overdrive and it's creating these sensations and it's like you know it's not it's it actually goes it goes almost dormant in a way like the yeah. float tank induces because you have no more sensory input and it's like huh so the psychedelics <laughs> so, are are almost allowing um your brain to access i mean theory, obviously theoretically you're by cutting off um pathways and senses to the physical 3d realm um it's almost allowing other um potentially real um inputs to uh access your brain like the like almost like the, you know the lifting of the veil where it's like a lot of that yeah. not saying everything you see on a hallucinogen is real but it it mm. does seem to imply that there's uh you're almost act, tapping into like a real actual um dimension that exists all around you all the time that you just normally can't see yeah like you have no elves gnomes live you know yeah and then that's how we just describe them with their with their visual senses um yeah that that, uh yeah that more i mean it makes sense too because your body your i mean the the human body and animals and just life itself is so in this dimension that we call our universe like on earth i mean it is so intelligent by design like it has to be or just by its nature i'll say because it can put up defenses that allow its essence to still live and that's the nature of being alive is like there's something in it that causes it to breathe right i mean it's not just that the organs all work together but there's there's something a force a life force that's behind it all and that it is able i think in a way kind of like you're it, to preserve your meat suit <laughs> you know like there are certain vials or vials dials of you know maybe some vials uh, dials of things that like nope i lost you body protecting itself and in so many ways it's got to filter out stuff and uh that's its natural preservation mechanism is to create intense focus and exclude out awareness of a bunch of other shit that's going on and sometimes those those substances can help bring that to aware the stage of awareness because it's not your brain's not working so hard at filtering things out. Okay, yeah, I uh, I think we got a good show title out of that too. Vials and dials. There you go. For anybody yeah, listening, um, yeah, I was gonna say for anybody listening, uh, we lost the the feed, so um, we're back now. And to wrap, I do. I'm probably gonna ask every buddy on all the shows I do today. The same question. Hassan Piker is running away from Sam Hyde for the fight, but if they did fight, who do you think would win? If you know who those people are. That's the question I'm going to ask everybody else. And you. If and you know me? who those, okay. you know who those there, people are. Well, is, is, it, is it an uh, UFC type, MMA type of thing? Well, um, I see. So Hassan Piker is like a Twitch streamer. He was one of our douchebags. He's the nephew of uh-huh. Chink Younger. He used to be on the Young Turks. He's got like 2 million uh-huh. subs on Twitch. He's like the biggest political Twitch streamer. He's like a socialist millionaire. Wow. Which is ironic. But um, so Sam, do you know who Sam Hyde is though? <laughs> for Million Dollar Stream? Okay. He uh, he scammed yeah. his way into doing a TED Talk. And they had he had a show on Adult Swim before it got canceled because he was a little too MAGA for him. But oh. uh, he he just won a fight, and right after the knockout, they um they like the post fight interview. He just went off on how he's gonna go to Hassan's house and kill him. 
And the okay, guys... that's that's the thing I heard earlier. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, the, that, and the, that was the MMA like the the interviewers is like, yeah, you mean like you're gonna kill him in the ring? He's like, no, in real life. And he's doing a fake Irish accent. He's going by the Candyman as his fighting name. So he's trying he's co- he's trying to coax Hassan into actually fighting him. He's offered two million dollars in Bitcoin to to, chair, to the charity of Hassan's choice to get in the ring with him. Hassan won't wow. do it. Hassan won't even mention his name, and he's banning everybody um, oh, from his man. chat and his Discord that brings it up. But um, I guess you well, wouldn't I, be I, able to weigh in on who would win the fight if you don't really know what these two guys who they are. But. It it seems though that behavior means that he's already you know avoiding it because yeah, uh, yeah I mean and and but the the degree of avoidance is what signifies to me that it's not a, a confidence like I'd kick his ass I don't need to fight yeah him, same hide would would uh, kick his ass I think even though he's a little bit shorter probably yeah. well actually no they're both pretty tall. Yeah, I don't know. like when you start banning people for even talking about it, like you're scared about the Candyman. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want those thoughts in my head. Just negative thoughts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think maybe he'd probably, he'd probably, uh, he'd probably the other guy's arm would be brought up into the air. That's what I'd say. Yeah. yeah. So same. Yeah. Okay. I think everybody. Yeah. I think you're. Yeah. I think everybody kind of agrees. That's that's what's going on. I would pay a lot of money to see that fight, dude. That'd be cool. His he knows his, he knows where he's at because he's got his IP address. He said so. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. Sam, I got I think, your IP address. <laughs> yeah. I think Sam Hyde is probably like the one of the most funny, brilliant comedians of all time, up there with Alex Jones. So, oh my gosh, I have not Sam Hyde. Yeah, I, well, uh, if you get the chance, watch uh, his TED Talk 2070 paradigm shift. Um, it's. He he conned his way into doing a TEDx talk, and he just gets up there and basically he's dressed in like a Roman gladiator outfit, and he um, talks about like how in 2070 everything is going to be great. There's going to be state mandated homosexuality, and uh, the elderly and disabled won't be a problem because we'll just kill them. And yeah, um, it's yeah, it's like paradigm shift 2070. Think it, That's dream awesome. it, do it. Think it, dream it, do it. That's awesome. And on that, um, Sir A1, <laughs> let's do this again soon. And uh, obviously, the source.io will be linked in the show notes for the spoken word podcast. You got a teaser for what episode 50 is going to be? Uh, I think it's about uh, finding balance and walking the experience you're having, and then also in knowing that everything is uh, some sort of reflection around you, and how do you how do you come into harmony with that, uh, and what's that experience like? I think that's the this the kernel of the next the fiftieth episode. Beautiful. I'm looking forward to hearing. It. Yeah, the source.io. Everybody, check it out. Thanks again, man. We'll uh, we'll do this uh, again very soon. I hope. Sounds awesome. I'd love to. You're you're. Your podcast is the best, and I just wanted to say that the one where you were, uh, 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 who's the guy that uh, directed the Star Wars? Uh, George Lucas. Not Steven's George Lucas. The one wasn't it that you played George Lucas? Oh no, I I came on as Steven Spielberg on Behind as the Steven Schemes. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, that was on Behind Steven the Schemes. Yeah, that yeah. was like for me, that was the best mind theater I've had. 
in like a really long time. I was I was dying. I, I thought that was so fucking funny. I was like, I am I've got to find who is this person. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to hope that they've got a podcast. And you did. And you do. So yes. <laughs> I, I this is for me this is a blast. This is a blast. Oh, thanks, man. Talk with yeah. You. No, that was yeah. that was fun. I couldn't keep it up the whole show, but I think I got a good hour and a half as Steven Spielberg is. <laughs> It was, but yeah, man. It was no, perfect. I doing goofy shit like that, especially when we like do like a serious show, like counterbalancing it on this show with like, um, like when Metis and uh, Adam from Zebra gets red pilled were on. We like you know, yeah, plant called prank called planetariums to talk to him, uh, talk to him about flat Earth and oh stuff that like that. Like it'd be fuck. That sounds like it would be stellar to yeah. Talk about <laughs> I'll like have that. to send you that one. That's still one of the like. I think highlights of the show is just like the stupid prank calls. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, but yeah, yeah man, thanks. Thank and uh, yeah, we'll do it again soon. Sounds and if great. Anybody, have a good one. I'll see you, uh, man. No, I was going right. to say, if anybody's listening on the live stream, I think uh, I got another show coming up here in about 15, 20 minutes. So I'll see you all then in the morning. Thank you for your courage, Sir A1 Sauce. It was a pleasure. And an Thank honor. you for your courage, sir. See, sure, see, sir. All right. See, sir. All right. Ciao. See you later, guys. Bye. Absent a six pack! This is John Donagan, fifth Pro Boxing fans, joined by Sam Hyde. Sam, you find I am Thompson this Saturday. How are you feeling? I can barely understand a fucking thing you said, like, <laughs> what the fuck? Jonathan Iron Man Piff is your name? We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Right, Sam, describe yourself in three words for me. Lad, you're going to have to enunciate yourself there. You sound absolutely. Well, three words are. Irish, sweet, and deadly. What can we expect from you on Saturday against I'm Thompson? Oh, on Saturday you're going to see quite a show. Not since the Cadbury Egg Factory Fire of 1910 have there seen such devastation and destruction anywhere where there's candy involved. Oh, lad, you're going to see some sights, let me tell you. It'll be like cracking open a wondrous Wonka Wobulus bar and finding a magical prize. Are you going to win by knockout? I think so, lad. I don't see a way around it. Unfortunately, I'll try to punch him as softly as I can. I'll try to make me feast into pillows of marshmallowy goo, but I don't think it's going to help because these cookie-encrusted crabulators, they're quite heavy. Last one. If you win this fight, who do you want next? Straight pull? Oh, if I win this fight, I'll be jumping for joy. I'll be doing backflips. I'll be doing cartwheels. I'll be doing roundabout whoopsie-doos. I'll be getting on the carousel down by the lane. I'll be going up and down the streets in my birthday suit, surrounded by Irish flags, because I'll be fighting Hassan Piker next. That's Hassan Piker, the lad over there in Los Angeles. That man who's on the streaming, playing video games. He's got Grimes with him, my girlfriend Grimes. Just kidding, I wouldn't do it. She's... She's not that hot. But, Hassan Biker, I'm coming for you, lad, and you can't avoid it. You will face me in the ring to the death or in the streets of L.A. where I'll be stalking you and obsessed with you, looking through your window. I have your IP address. Sam, appreciate it. Yes. You know that Hassan Biker, I'm coming to kill you in Los Angeles at your house. Or in the ring. No, in real life. I'm going to stalk him and become obsessed with him and wear his makeup and his dresses, and he was as skin as a coach, like the ancient Irish did. Candy Man. The urban legend is, if you say his name five times while looking in the mirror, he appears in the reflection and it kills you. I'm going to kill you! A mentally ill Nazi. Like, you ever see people with, like, deep-set alligator eyes? You look at them and you're like, oh, 
I'm your genetic enemy somehow. Some people are saying they think that Sam Hyde might actually get criminally charged for this. Hassan Piker said America deserved 9-11 and he's crying about Sam Hyde threatening him. No joke, he's done that. And then when someone calls him out, it's like, hey man, you know, look, I got a crazy mentally ill Nazi who's threatening me. Shouldn't this technically be like the thing that he wants the most? Like he has the chance to punch a guy that he claims is a Nazi. As somebody who proudly wears your hammer and sickle hat, this is the sort of thing it should get your blood runny. Look at this kick. <laughs> there is a lot of throwing the word Nazi around here. People who are fans of Hassan, they're going to come out and be like, this proves everything Hassan said is correct. The way they, they got his show canceled, it's, it's insane. They didn't cancel him because he crossed the line. They canceled him because they were scared. We got to stop that. Black trunks for Jones. White trunks for Guzman. Or black guy Jones, white guy whose mouth. That was said by Joe Rogan. I know you want very much. That's a fellow by the name of Hassan Piker. Oh, he's a dirty, dirty man. He needs to be punished. What punished makes... with Irish fury. Are you going to get that fight? Oh, I will if I have to go to Hollywood myself and me lonesome on me little moped. In your Los Angeles castle, you might be cozy at night. But I hope you think of me and it gives you a fright. What makes him dirty? Is he not a bath or something? Well, he's Turkish for one. Okay. Anything else? Well, it starts there and it gets quite a long list. You'll see. I'll be out there committing a crime and stalking him because I'm gay and I'm obsessed with him. Final words, final words. Final words. Be nice to your mum. Anything else? Not only did he ban the person who sent that to him, the person who sent that to him was like a 50-month sub or something. So this guy's been helping to pay Hassan's bills for 50 months in a row and he's like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if you reacted it? Ban. Apparently, Hassan Piker has banned Hyde and Candyman from his chat. People are getting hour-long timeouts. Oh, God. This one. Literally everything about that screams a joke. He is doing a fake accent with comedic pauses, Hassan. It's, it's clearly a comedian making a joke that tries to push it over the line. And this goes really far. Everybody who watches the clip from, uh, from this fight laughed at him saying that because of his delivery. It's, it's tough for me because I'll tell you this. I found it quite funny. It, it, Sam Hyde's a funny guy. The media really, really hates him. He, he makes edgy humor. But I'm, I'm really worried about the state that we're in with, uh, with jokes like this. If I'm not mistaken, Hassan the Hun supports punching Nazis. He calls Sam Hyde a Nazi yet refuses to get paid millions of dollars to punch said Nazi. Literally, if you can't take it, then don't dish it out in the first place. Hassan has literally become known as Hassan Punch a Nazi Piker. Like he has the chance to punch a guy that he thinks that he claims is a Nazi and he's not taking it. But either way, like it doesn't matter. You get to fight the Nazi. Come on. Yeah, six million. Prove it by beating him up. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> but... the, the thing is, uh, Hassan, for all his faults, is in great shape. And what's the point of having the physique that he does uh, if you're not going to put it to use fighting Nazis, eh? Yeah, he doesn't have the bulk, does he, though? Okay, here's some training. Ready? Look at this kick. <laughs> what is that? The kick has no power whatsoever. <laughs> like, shouldn't this technically be, like, the thing that he wants the most? Doesn't Hassan, like, he's been lifting his whole life, gym guy, you know, brags about it, tweets about it. Isn't somebody challenging you to a fight? Shouldn't this be, like, your arena? We're like, hell yeah. You get to live the dream. You've gone your whole life on, on Twitch being like, punch Nazis, punch Nazis, and now you have the chance to knock one the f*** out. How's your supple ear caught wind of the Candyman's game? 
Oh, it all starts when you utter his name. From the corner of your eye, the Candyman jumps, beaming with glee. Now you'll have to answer his riddles three. What makes the world go round and round and turns around a little boy's frown? What fuels me hunger and makes me stronger so that I can dance a little while longer? You can pull it well warm, but it shatters when chilled. If you consume too much, your teeth will get drilled. Your life will be fun, your life will be dandy, for the answer to all three is simply quite candy. When you finish his riddles, he does something neat. He pulls out a feather and tickles your feet. He tickles the left, then tickles the right. Oh, he'll tickle your feet all day and night. You walk, you run, you jump, you hop. He tickles your feet, no matter how hard you stomp. Eventually, you run out of breath, and he tickles you to your ticklish death. In your Los Angeles castle, you might be cozy at night. But I hope you think of me, and it gives you a fright. Oh, I hope you have nightmares of peanut brittle and peppermint block. Because when I roll up on your son, I won't be there to talk. I'm not going near that mother. He said he's coming to your house and kill you. Okay. Before you hop off to bed, pray to the white chocolate moon above. Because you've got a golden ticket to be invoked by me glove. If you'd rather not partake in the Candyman's game, oh, Hassan Piker, you shouldn't utter me name. Uh huh, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh, dark house. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Mm -hmm. mm. About to lay down another track, y'all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for you. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Here we go. Uh huh. All right, I'm, I'm about to. I'm about to start it for real, huh? Here we go. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Ah. Mm -mm. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Go for real. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go for real. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Um. I came into the place with a smile on my face. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, all right, all right, here we, go. here we go for real, here we go for real, yeah, here we go for real, yeah, um, uh, uh-huh, yeah, here we go for real, <laughs> yeah, here we go, here we go, here we go, yeah, um, uh-huh, yeah, here we go, no, no, here we go. Sometimes I like to eat a lot of potato chips. 